Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel with the next episode of the Ecom Show, which is also our uh, first live stream on Facebook. So you can see us on more platforms, fortunately. And today I'm with Kilian in the second episode of our talk. And last time we talked about habits, sleeping, nutrition, um, sports. And today we will go deeper in the rabbit hole and Kilian, what we will talk about today? We will talk about consistency and how you can stay consistent in the long term. I actually made a post about this a few days ago that a lot of people, they know about these things. They know about they should sleep well, should exercise consistently, have a good diet, but somehow they're not able to stick to that consistently, right? So we'll dive deeper into why you're having these ups and downs why you're not able to stick to that long term and what to do instead. So what we need to dive deeper into to be able uh, to stick to these things in the long term so that you can stay consistent and get the results that you deserve. Yeah. Before we jump into the specifics, I think today in 2020, people are overloaded by information everywhere, on so especially on social media. You can see um, you should do this and you should do that. Uh, follow my uh, my tips and hacks and then nothing happens people don't implement and i think they are just overloaded and and they don't execute uh, on these things and um what do you think how should we overcome on this not become overloaded by information it's awesome i love that you're saying this because i had this another some days ago with a friend of mine and it's like if you think about like 20 30 40 years ago you basically had to walk to the library to get certain kind of book, right? You yeah. want to read the book, you had to walk there and get the book and, you know, walk back and, oh, no, it's out. I can't rent it right now. Damn, I need to wait a month and so on, you know. And now you have literally everything at your fingertips. Any kind of book in a matter of seconds, you have it. Even courses, paid content, let's be real, you can pirate it, torrent it, whatever, you know, like, Go to some Russian website and you get that stuff as well for free. So the problem is we're having too much. And that means that every single one of them, we're not valuing highly enough, right? The perceived value, it goes down because the opportunity of all the other books we're having at the same time, this is uh, so overwhelming that, oh, I could be reading this. I could be doing this course and so on. So this is uh, the, the challenge and how to overcome that. In my opinion, what you need to be doing is you need to, block out the options to some degree. And if you block out options, that means you need to block out, well, your phone, your notifications. If you're getting less notifications, well, you're less triggered to consume new content on social media, for example, but also that you're blocking out, for example, apps that you're not using, like putting them in different pages of your folders. So you're not being triggered to check like shopping or Amazon or whatever all the time like email, so on, you know, I know you're good with email and everything. You've got to be mindful what kind of newsletters you're following, right? What, what kind of uh, content you let in. And then what helps me personally a lot, I found it myself, I just get one book 
a physical book. I put the, put that book on the table, put a marker and a pen next to it, and I just sit down with that book and I digest it, right? And nothing else or wherever you're reading, you sign your environment, put the book there, and then you go ahead and step-by-step step you digest information. So you've got to make it like that, that your brain can focus on one thing at a time. Otherwise, it's just overwhelmed. Yeah. Your top three tips or hacks to stay focused during work? I would say during work, like it starts already with your sleep. So the biggest thing I focused, optimize your sleep, then your focus during the day will be super easy. And number two, you've got to hydrate a lot right here regularly. Always have water next to you. Super important. And number three, I would say, yeah, block out distractions. Like the, the biggest antidote for focus is distractions. Constantly checking the phone, putting the phone away, getting um, app blockers also for your laptop. Super important that. And then apart from that, having breaks, exercise a little bit, stretch in between, get some air, walk around a bit these kind of things help you to refresh power naps are an option there's a lot of things but if you've got to master the foundations and these are protecting your attention then you'll be able to to be focused throughout the day mm -hmm. okay so um let's move forward and before this call i um we we just recap the topics and what i really remember and i think many people can memorize it easily there are four uh, steps of of what is this like um, it's a letter of consistency yeah it's basically to what degree you're consistent with something that you know you should be doing but having a hard time sticking to so mm -hmm. there's should i dive deeper into that yeah yeah please you can 100 so i basically i don't know how i got into this but i came up for that myself with the four letters of consistency right and basically the lowest letter is What, what I call motivation or willpower, right? This is when you get started with something, you're like motivated, you want to do it, right? It's, it, you can stick to it a little bit. Maybe you use willpower to, to you know, like you, you manage to do it on some days and others you don't, right? It's the lowest level of consistency because it's fluctuating a lot. Then the second stage is actually disciplining yourself, right? This is what people say. It's not discipline, but it's disciplining yourself. Discipline, we come on that in a second. So disciplining yourself means to basically try to become better at using willpower or using your will to make yourself do something, right? And over time, it's true, you might become better. You're training your prefrontal cortex. You know, you can do cold showers and these kind of things. But even that is still not reliable because sometimes you just had a bad sleep or you're not feeling good and then you still cannot stick to it. And then the third level, this is habits. This is when you've been consistent with a behavior for such a long time that it really becomes automatic, right? And the key for that is that you have good routines in mind and good routines that are triggered by your environment. And then you can also stick to that whenever you don't feel like it so much, right? Because it has a clear trigger, has a clear order what you're going to do. It's going to be clearly defined what your reward is. So it's intrinsically um, rewarding for yourself. And this is something where you have a higher level of consistency. But that's not even the highest level because the highest level is actually identity. So if you think about, I like to give that example, if you're like a pro athlete, right? You're training mm -hmm. for the Olympics and you're saying, I'm an athlete. So would, would you say this person has to discipline themselves to, to train or to work out? They would, you know, they would laugh. They would say, no, like they say, 
of course I'm training. It's who I am. You know, they have that level. They say, I'm an athlete. Of course I train, right? And this is the thing that once you start to consider yourself as this kind of person, then the thing you want to do becomes so automatic that this person, they would ha actually have to force themselves to not train because it's actually something yeah. so part of them. And yeah. so that means discipline, what discipline really is, it's just the byproduct. If you start to set out, okay, what's the kind of person I want to become? And most importantly, I do that with my clients in my training. It's like, where do I have already been like that? That's important because if you ask yourself, okay, I want to be that healthy, fit person, but deep down, I don't believe I can become that way. Well, then you ask yourself, where in the past have I actually been like that? And that might be that you have, as a teenager, you had some sports you loved, for example, in the upbringing, you had showed other forms of discipline that were really nice. And you're like, what the fuck? I'm actually, I can be disciplined. Interesting, right? So you have that potential in you. And that means, okay, I want to become that person. What's the small habit I would need to implement to actually start to believe that I'm becoming this person? And this is where many people get wrong. They say, okay, I want to become a fit person, right? Person who's healthy, person who works out, an athlete, whatever. But then they try to start directly going to the gym so many times per week. They rely on willpower, motivation, do it for a few weeks, and they stop. Instead, they don't believe themselves that they are this kind of person. They don't really think they're that. And that means if they started to just do a little workout each day, little morning workout, for example, or go for a little run each day, whatever, and are consistent with that, then the self-image shifts, and then you're reaching that identity level over time. That's that's what you want to target at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way how I imagine it, maybe it's a bit different, but um, where, uh, I'm from the countryside, from a little town, but that town is uh, famous for uh, kayak uh, athletes. Many of them, they went to the Olympics, and... Um, Like six, seven years ago, I was the receptionist in, in their gym mm. and we worked out together. And uh, they, I think it's more like there are, there are different levels for sure, but there is the core, like identity level, like I'm a kayak athlete. And on, uh, on that, there is the, the next, uh, next layer, which is, uh, which one was habits, right? Habits. Uh, yeah. And then habits. I go to the gym, I work out twice a day because I'm a pro athlete. And then above that, there is discipline and sometimes they don't have it. So because they are just tired, they had a party, I don't know, they don't have it. Uh, it happens. But they still have the identity below that. Like I'm an athlete, so I just go. And uh, But if they have discipline, it definitely helps them. And on top of that, there is motivation, which is very, you know, fluctuating. But I think many times they will have that as well. I'm super motivated because I'm before the Olympic event and I have to go. And if they have all four of these together, that's the best combination. But many mm -hmm. times they will have only the identity because, I don't know, they had a party last night and um, they are not disciplined, not motivated. They just do it. So... Um, I think it's it's good if all of these four they are aligned, but they cannot be aligned all the time. 
hundred percent that I would even go a step further to separate motivation. So mm-hmm. motivation, I like to separate it into macro motivation, micro motivation. And this is people that just hear motivation. They don't really know what it is, but if you dif- differentiate it, it's much easier to, to think about it. So macro motivation is what people refer to as kind of your drive or your why, right? The basically the, the, the bigger picture of why you're doing this. And for, for those athletes you're mentioning, that would be probably that they're thinking about, okay, why am I in this sports in the first place, right? What are maybe the values that these sports represent that mm-hmm. are really resonating with me? Why I got into this in the first place? Maybe it's companionship. Maybe it's being outdoors. Maybe it's like challenge competition, whatever, right? So this is, yeah. this is what, what this is drives them. This is like this bigger why. And this is also something that gives people discipline in times mm-hmm. when they're like not feeling like it because they feel like okay why am i here in this in this thing right this is super important to have this macro motivation also for business if you're having a company but you don't really know why you're doing this and you just think like you get some money or whatever and what, what's the yeah. long-term thing with it you will burn you will, out exactly you will burn out that's the that's the, the lack of macro motivation then you feel that it's not fulfilling you and then apart from that, you have the micro motivation and the micro motivation is very similar to momentum. So that means when you simply build up that momentum, you over the course of a few days, for example, you're, you know, you're like you're working out and you're getting back to the gym, you're getting good results and so on. It's much easier to keep the momentum, but that momentum that only comes from taking action. It's not that you need the momentum first and then can take actions. Actually, you take action first and then by that create the momentum. And that's it. So the reason, what do you do when you have no momentum but you want to build some? Well, you make taking action so easy and you make only tiny steps. And that's it. So maybe they had a night, a party, you know, and they, they, they don't want to go to the workout. But then what they do is maybe they just tell themselves, oh, just a, a short run around the block. Oh, just five minutes. Boom, they get, just get my shoes on. Okay, let's just leave the house. Okay, let's just run a bit. And suddenly they did maybe a one-hour workout, you know what I mean? And this is yeah. how you build momentum. This is also the same for, for better exercise. That's also the same for like better work blocks and so on when you don't feel so motivated. That first action and then motivation and momentum comes. Yeah, that's very good. And uh, when I don't have a mood to go to the gym, I just start listening to Eye of the Tiger and I I start I start getting motivation so just know yourself also and uh it will help a lot um so so this is the way how we can uh perform consistently without without motivation sometimes even discipline sometimes identity um and 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 solid habits um and do you want to talk about um your your surroundings and how how it affects your or your identity and motivation and and habits and all of these that's a good good topic man i love that you mentioned that because environment is so much we're a creature of our environment because our environment shapes our habits that's the thing and it shapes the kind of, it shapes what's normal for us if you're living in, in a flat with someone who just for example um, eat junk food all day, never goes to the gym, you will be more likely to do the same thing. 
But if you live with people who are working out, you know, who work on themselves, who crushing it, building a business, you also think that's normal. And that's not only living with, but that's also the people you hang out with most. That's also the content you consume on social media. What do you think is normal there, right? Your mind adapts, is very adaptable. And so in Zen, in Zen Buddhism, they always say your mind is like garden, right? You have to mm -hmm. take care of your garden. You wouldn't also, if you have a nice garden at home, you wouldn't also let like wild, uh, you know, like pigs or whatever run in there and destroy everything, you know? But that's basically what many people do when they just consume random content who's very negative and so on, right? So that is, that is it, that not only the people you hang out with, super important, that they hold you to a higher standard. I mean, there's this cliche quote that they're the average of the five people you spend most time with, right? But it's also more than that, especially nowadays in our time, social media and technology. It's what media do you surround yourself with? Are you listening to the news all the time? What videos are you watching? How much time do you spend actually consuming content instead of creating it. Like there's so many people like actually, I don't know if you've read it yet, Russell Brunson's Traffic Secrets, right? He even says in there, you should be a producer on social media, not a consumer. And yeah. this, this is where a lot of people, this will people will differentiate themselves in the future. Consumers who are kind of, you know, like just get indoctrinated and people who just go in there maybe to engage a bit, give value, but then produce their stuff. And this, this is what you want to be. So adapt your environment so it's easier to be still, to protect your attention, and, um, and then you'll be on the right side. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, question. So I know I, I follow your content. It's not a secret. And uh, I talked about time management. And I know you have a different approach to that, which is managing attention, if I'm right. And the other thing is energy. And if you, if you could explain this to us, I really understand energy because yeah, time, time management is good, but if you don't have energy and you work eight hours a day, six hours a day or 10 hours a day, and you don't have energy, it's just a waste of time. It's, it's very, it's clear. Um, so you should have uh, enough energy and it's affected by your nutrition, sleep, sleeping habits, um, doing sports and all of these things. Um, but how about the other one? Attention is very closely related to that as well. It's because imagine you have all the energy in the world. Imagine you had awesome food, you, had, you slept well, you exercise, you wake up, you feel great. You're going into your office ready to crush it and you feel good and you basically start to work on a task and suddenly the phone rings and you're like, okay, what's that? And you check social media again or check some notification. Slack opens up. Oh, you wanted to do your deep work? Oh, you need to put a fire out here and there. Okay, start a task here. Then boom, oh, need to do another task here. You're basically starting to get drained if you don't protect your attention from the thing you want to do because... Number one, it happens that you will be derailed from your priorities. So you cannot, it's like you have a car that has a lot of horsepower, but you're putting it on the wrong street, so to say. You're, yeah. you're really, because the attention is 
putting you in the right direction where you want to go. So you're getting that horsepower onto the street. Because if yeah. you don't, you're working on the wrong things. You're wasting your energy and your focus on the wrong things. And even, even uh, more importantly, this um, attention residue, this is a concept from, from, from neuroscience. You can Google that. Attention residue means if you're switching tasks, it's like imagine the RAM of your computer. Imagine your brain also has a RAM, right? The, basically, your RAM is not emptied yet. It means that while you're starting a new task, your mind is still somehow processing the other task. So that means you cannot get full attention, full focus on the new task. And that's attention residue. There's some residue of attention still on an old task. That means if you don't protect your attention through social media or notifications or interruptions even by people in your office, right, or noise or whatever it is, then you will have attention residue. You will not work on the right things. And then basically you will be not using your energy wisely, right? So if you have a lot of energy and then you still protect your attention, what happens? You work with full focus on the right things. You get them done in the allotted time frame. And then suddenly time management is not an issue anymore because you get the stuff done that you wanted to do. And you don't ask yourself, okay, like, how do I manage my time better? I, I don't care. I, I got the stuff done that I wanted to get done and uh, my, my list is empty and that's it, right? Who cares about time management anymore? So that, that's the approach. Time management falls into place when you master those two. Yeah, but you still schedule your working hours, right? Like what 100%. You that, that's part of it. You, you need to do time blocking, um, meaning that you, you work from your calendar instead of your to-do list. Like having a to-do list, checking things off, getting that dopamine spike, that's cool. But you want to know um, that you're working from your calendar and you want to know what is scheduled when. That's definitely important. Yeah, and uh, one concept that I learned from Sam Owens, always schedule your, uh, your working hours the night before or evening before you go to sleep. And I do it for more than one year and uh, it really changed things because... When I wake up in the morning and, and when I start uh, my work, then I don't have to waste my mental energy on scheduling stuff, which is actually a lot of energy sometimes. Um, like, I don't know, like six, seven meetings sometimes and, and I have to decide. So I just do it uh, one day before and, and that's it. Um, and what would you recommend to people Uh, like our account managers, they talk with a lot of people all day, like eight, nine uh, people um, during the day, and they are heavily involved into the teamwork. They have to get a lot of feedback, sending messages, and this is their job. But still, they have to think about strategy as well, which needs uh, focused work. So how should they manage this? Mm -hmm. It depends a lot uh, on how much of their work is strategy. So look, for example, for a business let's owner, half, half. Make, let's half, make half. it. Yeah, yeah, 50. If it's half, half, it's a bit, it could be problematic simply because just taking the example of a business owner, a business owner has very likely more strategy work and then probably also more calls related to networking, to podcasting, to sales calls, depending on how much he does that himself still. Um, but for an account manager, if they having half-half, it's a challenge. So what I would recommend for people is um, mm -hmm. to find 
you most likely an early block in the morning where they focus on this important but not so urgent tasks first, which are the strategy uh, aspects you're related to. And then after that, dive into all these urgent crisis things, messages and so on. That That's the thing. But that's depending also a little bit on the company and also on what clients they are responsible for, what their mm. time zone is, also yeah. what the contract says. Do they need to be available 24-7 or do you have clear business hours that protect your account manager's deep work blocks, right? It's it's a matter of negotiation, setting boundaries in a sense. Yeah. Because if they need to be available all the time, deep work is very difficult. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let me just give you more insights. And if any of our clients or potential clients uh, listens to this, then uh, it gives them a better picture. So it was an issue like one year ago, let's say, and uh, we talked about this, like how we should handle it with the account managers. And um, we put into the contract that we can reply within uh, 24 hours. So that's the maximum. But we usually don't reply within half an hour. And, uh, you know, it's very rare that we should uh, reply within half an hour. There is no you know, we are not doctors or, or it's not, or, or fire, uh, firefighters, uh, we are marketers. So if we, um, reply in a few hours, that's fine. And, uh, we always set expectations with clients that, uh, if we work together, we are not in an office with you. So we can reply in a few hours usually plus the time zone thing, but we also try to handle it. Um, so, so we literally put this into the contract. We set expectations and clients approve it who wants to work with us. And, uh, we, we set, I mean, the account managers, they do it for themselves, but, uh, they have certain blocks when they communicate with the team and clients and they have dedicated blocks for deep work so they can manage both. Um, for me, it's not as tricky. I think for them, it's it's trickier because they just handle, you know, clients. They do strategy. They talk with the team. Um, so so yeah, we definitely had to manage this and solve this issue. Um, Dude, one thing that comes to mind right now, as you say this, is typical quote: "How you do one thing is how you do everything." So what do I mean by that? If your account managers, right, or anybody with a similar job gets an allocated deep work block and they say, look, protect that, work on the strategy stuff first, and then you dive into the client work. But the first thing they do when they wake up is check the phone. (laughs) It's over. The the, the deep work creativity will be much less valuable. So that's that's what you can see, how the personal areas reflect into business. So yeah. this is it if they wake up and are already in reactive mode and scroll the news feed and check their messages, focus is already all over the place. They might already have gotten some bad news from the partner or from the family or whatever yeah. already, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the problem that you need to bring that discipline that you have, um, that you expect in the business, you need to get that into your personal areas as well. And once you do that, then you bring that focus and that those good habits also into your work environment. And then you can truly uh, benefit from that. Yeah. And if people who can manage these things, um, and 
there is another phrase that good companies they have to manage their systems not their people and uh, they should be able to manage themselves not you know regulated by the boss or something like that and uh yeah we we need people like like you know people who can uh, use the this approach well um, and, and what I, what i learned daniel what i learned is also that it goes back to the leader if they see for example that the the ceo is absolutely crushing it with these things and it's basically you know maybe they see it from from personal uh, posts he's doing or they hear it from stories or the, the the leader the ceo holds a meeting and talks about it doesn't matter but if they get the feeling that well he leads by example and they know oh wow that's kind of the culture we're in that's expected yeah. here that's like a players right then they're like oh i got to step up my game right so this is what i think that it all starts with the ceo with like the owner of the company if he's if he's not doing it if he's distracted all the time on the phone how can you expect it from the from the account managers so that's the first step to start yeah 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 exactly exactly and uh, my next question it relates to this so you work with uh, many business owners on different levels and what's your opinion what separates the highest performers from the you know not as good guys or um, successful guys in the business world i would say the the main differentiator is the level of consistency they can show with all of these things we talked about there's a, there's people you know they they're able to have these nice sprints and then they post these they make these challenges on on social media 75 hard and they do all of this and it's awesome right it's motivating it's great but then next year they lost everything again like they don't meditate anymore they yeah. don't you know like they're the days all over the place and this this is something what what a leader should be um should be standing for for consistency for reliability right even mm -hmm. doesn't matter if there's like a pandemic going on he still finds a way to work out right he still finds yeah. a way to eat healthy foods that's that's kind of it what i think is the is the dif is the difference and in the end what i found like that most guys who are saying for example that oh life balance is a myth this is also a thing that i found that the people who who have who are you know having good results in their business but still manage to have these other areas somehow at least in check i think those are the the ones who a make still a good impact but also are fulfilled long term and i think it always goes back to what your goal is right but if if your own fulfillment and your own health and of the, of your surrounding if that is important to you then you want to make sure that you don't neglect any one of your areas too much and of those three there's like health wealth and relationships of course and in there you can break it down to like mental health spirituality and self development you can do that however you want but grossly neglecting any one of them for too long that's i think that's a recipe for disaster and i think that's mm -hmm. what differentiates a lot of people okay so consistency and and also having time for for other areas um how would you separate work and personal life? It goes back to what you said before. Um, you said that mm -hmm. Sam Owens recommends to plan a day the night before already. 
And I would go a step further and even recommend to, to plan your next day when you're ending work. And I hope that is not the night before, but that is somewhere uh, before that already. And what I think helps a lot is that you have a end of work ritual, right? It depends, it depends right now what your position is in your company. If you're a freelancer right now and you need to be available at night to reply to emails, then of course it's difficult. But I'm, I'm talking right now to people who actually are able to say, okay, no more work now. I have a team who also takes care of stuff and I don't need to do everything by myself. And I think that's the ultimate goal. You don't want to be working all the time. Then you can also just get a nine to five, right? And, you know, like there you have clear separation, definitely. But the thing is you want to work towards being able to have time for areas outside of work. Why? Because otherwise you cannot go to the gym consistently or work out and do that. And you also cannot recharge and basically simply let your mind rest. Many people, when they hear deep work, what they don't think about is that your mind also needs to recharge. And part of that is proper sleep. For example, if your REM sleep is not good, then you're having less creative skills as well. Same thing with your deep sleep. Yeah. And if you're working late at night at 8, 9, 10, 12, whatever p.m., chances are that your deep sleep and so on is compromised or high because simply you're still stressed, your heart rate is high and so on. Right? So to separate your work and uh, personal life, I recommend that you give yourself an end of work time where you say non-negotiable after that no more work. Mm -hmm. And then very importantly, you put measures in place to protect that one. That means you use app lockers to not be able to read your emails anymore. That's it. You block out Slack. You don't do it anymore. Boom. Like not blocking out only like Instagram for when you're work, but actually blocking out email when you're not working anymore. I think that is super powerful. And then, okay, you do that ritual. You prepare your next day. You say, boom, now it's over. And then you spend time on other things. And this is, this is super important because then you have more focus the next day as well. Yeah. By the way, I always like uh, asking... Uh high performance coaches life coaches so this work life uh, separation is uh, important and uh, actually i believe more in integration of of the two and uh, we just mentioned one example that um, we have our business our company with the account managers but they also had to learn how to manage their habits and uh, their they had to block out time for communication versus deep work, which also affected their personal life. Uh, one of the guys, now he has more time with uh, his girlfriend, believe it or not. So it, uh, it helped uh, him on, on the personal level as well. And I think this integration uh, is more and more important in the current environment. Um, but we have two guys at... at at least uh, I can recall two guys now, Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. And those guys, I'm almost sure they have a very screwed up balance, uh, but they are highly successful or was successful. What do you think about these guys who are just no balance, but they are crushing it with their companies? Of course, we don't know them personally, but they are successful in business. It, again, um, really um, kudos to these guys. They basically defined their level of success by making a massive impact in the world and they mm -hmm. have 
definitely done that. Steve Jobs has, has mm. re revolutionized the smartphone and, and you know, Elon Musk, the, even more things in the future. And that's yeah. awesome. But it's, it goes back to what I said before. What is your goal? And if you read the biographies of those two guys, you also know that there are a lot of things have been suffering there, like the family yeah. life relationship with the daughters have been compromised. I'm not sure how their relationships are with their partners and so on. And that's like the question, right? Do you want this? Do you want to have like, you know, let's sacrifice that for making a huge success and impact with your company? It's the question. Like some people, they feel they're called to something bigger to make like this huge impact in the world and, you know, mm -hmm. all power to you. But it's a matter of, of asking yourself, yeah, along the way, while creating that, Eckhart Tolle kind of calls it, you're polluting the environment with your unconsciousness, right? Basically with your, the way you're behaving, the way you're talking, the way you're not neglect, neglecting yourself and neglecting others around you. That is kind of reducing consciousness in our, on our planet, right? So there's, there's different interpretations of it, but I think I actually posted that one also in a, in a forum or like on my wall some, some time ago. And, and some, some person said that his father or his grandfather they were successful businessmen and they made a great impact into society and still were able to have a nice balance, right? And for the vast majority of business owners, I think this is the model to, to go for and not be the, the 0.01% outlier who, who changes the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or maybe you can still change the world and have a nice balance. Exactly. Yeah. Probably yeah. not like, you know, like, Changing the world is definitely possible, but the kind of uh, fame and, you know, the kind of uh, Elon Musk level that we have. I mean, not everybody can be an Elon Musk. That's just a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, so, Kilian, thanks for coming to today's uh, episode. And if anyone wants to find you where they can find you and message you. It's been a pleasure, man. You can find me on social media, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Instagram, just Kilian Market. And also you can check out my website, KillianMarket.com and also my free offer for you guys, my checklist, KillianMarket.com slash checklist. You can also get a summary with that for all the important habits I think you should have in your day to be a highly performing business owner. Check out the checklist, guys. I'm sure everyone can improve. I have a few friends who completed it and they found out a lot of bad things. So... And now they are much better. They improved since that. So Kilian can help you with this. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening uh, to today's uh, episode of the Ecom Show and also the live stream. And see you um, in the next episode. Every Thursday, we are coming out with a new podcast episode. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.